Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast. A spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I am a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I am a socially distanced, talented, charmer, stupid piece of shit, Adam <laughs> Nicholas. And we join you, everybody, for... Oh, God. Oh. oh, God. One hell of an episode indeed. But no matter what the episode is, you can still call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on social media, Twitter or Instagram, at Podcast Horseman. You might not want to after this one, though. Uh, but <laughs> if you do feel like you're still in the mood to follow, come and find either of your hosts as well. You can find me at It's Adam Nicholas, and you can also follow Michael Hanford. At Michael Hamflit. Um, you can get this podcast pretty much anywhere where you can get podcasts. On Apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to subscribe or follow. On Spotify, where you can follow. And thanks at this point, as we are recording, it is Spotify Wrapped Day. And we've seen a few podcast horsemen there in your charts. Thank you very much, then. We do really appreciate them. Pretty much anywhere you can get them, even if they don't tabulate them into data by the end of the year very neatly, you can get Podcast Horsemen. Find it on Amazon, if you like. Get it on Amazon Prime while you're getting your Christmas shopping. You can find us, listen to us through Audible. And indeed, you can get us through the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed, where the Acast link will be there every Friday. You can stream through there. You can subscribe through there. And on Acast and a few others, you can leave reviews. We would love a five-star review while this podcast is still living and breathing. You can get those reviews into us. Um they can be nasty, they can be nice, it doesn't really matter as long as there's words in the box and there's five stars on the top line. That fools the algorithms and it fools more people into talking themselves horse about a talking horse. And if this is your first time listening to Podcast Horseman, Jesus Christ, turn the podcast off and go back to episode one. But especially if you want to leave us a review, you stand a chance of getting inducted into our Holly Woo Talk of Fame. Check out the Instagram, see what those stars look like. Another star will be coming at the end of this episode. Indeed it will. Indeed it will. Oh, deep breaths, everyone. Deep breaths. Mm. Look at you. Are you feel, how are you feeling? Are you feeling? Sh- sh- uh, should we do it? Like, should we just <laughs> wrap we, this one? Shall we just get it done? Good God almighty. Yes, Spotify wrap might be out today and hope everyone's enjoyed those, but it could be a wrap on your <laughs> day after this one or certainly your mental state to say the least. But yes, this is Season 6, Episode 15. We go across to Netflix, as always, for this week's synopsis. 
the view from halfway down. Oh man, I am. <laughs> it makes you feel nervous. I'm not isn't it? gonna lie, to you man. I'm fucking shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! You're not gonna get the impact of that because I'm definitely gonna bleep it all out. But here we go. <laughs> I've been thinking about this since we started this podcast. I swear to God. Here we go. And the synopsis is as follows: Bojack reconnects with faces from his past. Ah, make a have look over to you. I wish I was a Netflix synopsis writer instead of a podcast host and note taker. They seem like I had the better deal in this one. Let's give this a bash, shall we? Um, the episode starts with present day Bojack and child Sarah Lynn ringing a doorbell. Um, Bojack has a hydrangea plant in his hand as a gift for the person that is hosting them at this party, who turns out to be, or at least the person that opens the door, is Bojack's mother, Beatrice. She's in the dress that she wore for her dead ball, that, that kind of white wedding dress-like gown. Uh, but we learn that, in fact, Bojack is the guest of honour. Sarah Lynn immediately dashes off to see a crowd of people that we can see messing around at the end of a long, dark corridor. There's like a light at the end and you can see some silhouette figures. There's a few familiar voices and don't worry, we'll get to them in due course. And uh, Bojack presents the plant to Beatrice uh, and exactly as he predicted when he was speaking to Sarah Lynn, she completely hates it. It's a short, cold open and it is freezing cold, but we will come back to this because the episode starts proper exactly where we left them. Uh, Beatrice puts the plant down and... Uh, she, as she puts it on like a side in the house, some tar drops on it. We will sort of return to that in just a second, but it is that familiar tar, that Hollywood tar that we've heard about in the past. Um, nobody seems to care, notably, at that point, other than Bojack who kind of side-eyes it. Anyway, Beatrice notes that Bojack got there right on time uh, as a bird has flown in and everybody is trying to get it out. Uh, it's a bird person, which is always nice for comedic effects when you imagine the panic of a bird in your house, but this one has got arms and legs like a, a human being sort of <laughs> darting around the places they're all chasing it. Um, and I suppose at this point I should explain who the they are all that are chasing. We've got the childlike Sarah Lynn, we've got Herb Kazaz, we've got Corduroy Jackson Jackson, we've got Crackerjack Sugarman, who of course is Beatrice's brother. They're all um, enjoying the chase at least. It's all just a bit of fun, even though they do want to get the bird out of the house. Um, Beatrice and Bojack's uh, conversation as Bojack is uh, being welcomed in as the guest of honour uh, interrupted by her butler, Zach Braff. Bojack immediately acknowledges him as Zach Braff, uh, Zach Braff even though Beatrice only knows him as her butler. Um, she goes to, off into the kitchen to take a call and in the meantime, the rest of the gang chase the bird around the room. Herb Kazaz is really pleased to see Bojack. Um, Bojack notes that he kept having a dream about having dinner with everybody who's gone and thought, yeah, I should do that. And that's why he's come tonight. Bojack meets Crackerjack for the first time ever. He uh, he reconnects with Corduroy about the awkward nature about their last encounter, which suddenly gets even worse when Corduroy starts wrapping a noose around his neck all over again. And Bojack's like, no, 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 I don't, don't want to see any more of that. Thanks very much. Um, and the horsing around theme starts playing as the chase continues. It's at the point that Bojack gets involved in trying to get rid of the bird. Suddenly he's become the front runner in trying to chase the bird out of the building. Suddenly it has started to look like a wacky subplot from an episode of Horsing Around. And if the motif isn't any clearer, they run into the kitchen where Beatrice went and sure enough, it's the kitchen, the big set that we always saw all the characters horsing around doing their various plot setups in. Anyway, the, uh, the chase plays out to the music and he eventually gets the bird out of the window. Um, as they're all kind of celebrating Bojack's minor achievement, Boj uh, Beatrice pops it immediately because that's just all she knows to do is to reduce Bojack's achievements and they move to a dining area to start dinner. Um, the sort of exposition that there's not here, Bojack has noted that um, he's had 
this dream before and he's seen it for himself in a dream and he thinks, hmm, I want to be part of that. And it does see to think about where you last saw Bojack and what's the difference between this and the regular dreams he's having and the other people that he's sharing the room with. So there's certainly strong implications about what this place might be, not least because of the um, the stylings of all the characters. So you've got um, Beatrice in a debutante ball dress. You've got a healthy Herb Kazaz. You've got at this point a horsing around early seasons era, Sarah Lynn. You've got Corduroy exactly as we saw him. And we've got um, Crackerjack off to war in his sort of army fatigues, in, in his not in his army fatigues, in his army best. Um, so we're seeing kind of like the perfect versions of all these characters at the moment, but the implications are already like, kind of like lingering heavy on what this might actually be all about. Well, let's call it like it is, Michael. Stop beating around the bush, yeah? <laughs> all these people are dead, Michael. All of them. Everyone in this room, apart from Bojack Horseman, and, and maybe the bird, because we don't know the bird specifically, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they're all dead, Michael. Which is obviously the great note that you wanted <laughs> to start an episode of Bojack Horseman on. A, a strong tone to begin the episode. Mm. Um, but yes, we very quickly realised that something is not quite right here. And there's a lot of illusions Bojack mentioning as much about uh, the dream he's had in the past. And how he felt like sort of now was the time to revisit it and go back into it. Um, this is all very... It's, I think foreboding is probably the right word, isn't it? Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of imagery that you get leading up to here. We'll get more into that a little bit later on. But there is a theme going on already before we've even really begun this episode. And it's not a nice one, particularly. No. Um, we go to, uh, I guess it fades into the table of them all, sat at a, a dining, a, like in a big dining hall, basically. And uh, Sarah Lynn is uh, describing the first time she gave an autograph as part of a, a parlour game they're playing. Um, called Best Part, Worst Part. Um, in the meantime, um, Zach Braff is still playing Butler. Um, and Bojack is very briefly lifted from the conversation when he notices that the tar that he saw leaking on the planet is now leaking from the roof. Um, Zach Braff snaps him out of that with a kind of very dismissive, ah, 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 shh, as if to listen to the conversation that's being held at the table. And then dinner is served. Um, all the uh, different sort of characters have different meals in uh, the sort of galoshes. Uh, and in Bojack's case, the, uh, the gloss is lifted and it's a plate full of pills. Um, in the meantime, Crackerjack shares memories of his uh, of his death. Uh, Herb notes the, quote, drip drip of his IV when he had cancer that just happens to sync up with the dripping of the tar on Bojack's head. Um, Bojack says that his worst part in this game that they're all kind of loosely playing was right before he got there at Angela Diaz's house. Um, at this point, he's stopped dead in his tracks by the water that he's sipping from, tasting just like chlorine. He's kind of stopped dead, like he's has his thought interrupted by it, but no, everybody else laughs it off, seems to think it's not a particularly big deal. There, which is sort of a worthwhile point to bring up now. For all they're in the middle of a conversation, Bojack is both in it and completely disconnected from it, which is why he is confident that this is akin to the dream he's been having, but now he's just maybe more lucid in it and he just wants to he wants to partake in something that he's only maybe just viewed from afar. What we see here is that the things that he's maybe seeing and noticing and seeing and not really being picked up by the group in the way that perhaps he would like. Um, the conversation moves on and the, uh, the group debate the merits of sacrifice and Sarah Lynn, who I should note at this point, has been very gradually aging through this entire scene. Um, the childlike Sarah Lynn we had at the start of the episode morphed into the slightly older teenage one and is now getting older still as she kind of 
ages into the Sarah Lynn we were most familiar with, that sort of, I guess, like mid-20s pop star age in season one of Bojack Horseman. She's now that age, talking about how she sacrificed her whole life and ultimately that sacrifice was, it had to be of some value, basically, even though, you know, some would question what exactly was she contributed to the world. The tar keeps dripping to the point where at this point it's leaving a burning sensation on Bojack's head. Um, but in the meantime, the, the gang is still talking through the value of entertainment. Um, Herb notes that it was only when he got fired from Horson around that he actually found real peace because he could truly be himself. Um, Herb and Bojack do a nice little performative bit together that kind of shows that this Herb Kazaz, at least, is the one that Bojack used to have this such this strong bond and this strong relationship with, not the man that we would later see dying in that, that house on the hills that was never going to be able to forgive Bojack. Um, Herb also notes that he finally felt good through philanthropy, through his charitable efforts after, you know, he eventually got out of the Hollywood machine. But Corduroy, in a very Phoebe Buffet moment, questions selfless good deeds. Mm. He says that can't be possible because ultimately you felt good. It's that old that old sort of dinner table argument, ironically enough. Crackerjack at this point feels that he should admit that all of his kills were friendly fire. He didn't kill any <laughs> Nazis. He's, it's quite nice, this, because around the rest of the table who are all broadly from the entertainment sphere, he's been lionised as a genuine hero and he wants to pull that back. He doesn't want this mistruth to be out there that he was some sort of army hero when it turns out that accidentally the people he killed were on his team. But enough of all that, because Bojack's father has finally arrived. Late as always, as Beatrice would say, but sort of. It's definitely but a Scotch horseman in there. He's got that great in angered, irritated voice but he's in the body of Secretariat. And of course, the race gear, he's got um, a thing around his neck that uh, horses get when they win races, but obviously they've always played with Secretariat, being the fastest runner, but on horse racing tracks instead of on athletic tracks. Um, but it is very much butterscotch in there, all but visual alone. He apologises for only just arriving, saying he was just out running, but Beatrice says, quote, yes, running late, which triggers a row between them with framed with Bojack in the middle as always, just as he was as a child all those years ago. Herb suddenly reveals that he was, uh, I guess to like break the tension of all the ways to break the tension, reveals that he was actually gonna kill himself after getting booted from horse and round, which just floors Bojack. He's never thought that the implications were as severe as that. But of all things, the, Knicks were, the New York Knicks were having a good season and he thought that was worth sticking around for. It was a simple, as that uh butterscotch slash secretariat strong arms the chap uh <laughs> criticizes her for not having good follow-through uh, and he offers his best part which was killing himself because he got to go on his own terms says quote the view from up there oh you wouldn't believe it but that's interrupted by bojack spitting up a giant splatter of the tar that has been going through his, well, at least burning his head at this point. Again, they all just laugh it off. It doesn't seem as gross to them as it does to us, the viewer, even. Bojack notes, quote, it must be from the swimming earlier, but he can't actually recall if that happened or not. Um, Bojack talks about helping a student as his best part uh, when he was a teacher, of course, because it reminded him of being young and his misadventures with her when everything was fresh and there was all still so much to play for. Uh, but that's enough of dinner because they all get up to go to, quote, the show. Bojack starts to politely say his goodbyes, make his exits, because, as he notes, this is always the part where he wakes up, but not tonight. He can't wake up. Bojack walks through a door and Herb is playing MC for the show where tonight's star guest is Bojack Horseman. 
in what is slowly turning from like an, an interesting moment to definitely a dream to oh I don't like how this dream is starting. <laughs> they they play wonderfully well. I mean, in any show that is top tier television, they will come out with exceptionally well put together dream sequences. It's mm-hmm. like such a great way to do a lot of things they've wanted to do in the show, but maybe haven't been able to. A great way of tapping into the weird elements that come with the human mind and they do a fantastic job yeah uh, of really establishing a lot of things going on yeah we as you said there's all, all the characters at this point in their lives that we are seeing them around this table a very specific time for all of them and mm. the the big one here of course is that we not weird i guess it's the because it's sort of the way he would have seen it but the merging of secretariat and butterscotch horseman into one character mm. um whether that may or may not have been because the couldn't could or couldn't get uh, the original voice of Secretary to come and do the show. I don't know specifics technically about that. Which John was John Krasinski, John, John Krasinski, yeah, mm. who did it initially. Um, or maybe if even if it was a, ha- a happy accident, it leads into a, a wonderful melding of the two together, where we get the, we sort of address the 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 horses in the room, if you will. Uh, but Bojack kind of seeing a father figure in Secretariat because of the absence of his own, but also. Yeah. He really wants them both to be there because the both <laughs> means so much to him. So he's kind of having his cake and eating it. But yeah, th- that horrible dripping tar, obviously we've, you know, I don't know if you've got it yet. <laughs> I don't know if you've got it yet. If you've, been watching, if you've been watching this long enough, we've spoken about the tar of Hollywood for so long and the, the tar pits that go all the way back to the very beginning. But watching them sl- slowly get bigger and mm. Bojack vomiting that, uh, you, you kind of, not that you undersold it, because they all undersell it at the table, of course, but this is a really horrible, visceral yeah. sick that he does under the table, and it's uncomfortable. Mm. And there's that really weird, like, lynchy, you know, everyone's laughing, it's it's fine, <laughs> Look, it must be fine, and Bojack laughs it off as well. But yes, as we start to head towards the show, Michael, I think I think it's all going to be fine now from this point on. <laughs> I, that, that was the vibe I was getting. The, um, the Secretariat uh, Butterscotch overlap I was, it's, I think, like, it wasn't really something I, I would have considered had they not put it in the dialogue for us. That Bojack knowing that he's never actually seen Crackerjack, he's meeting him for the first time yeah. in this dream. So he's, and we know that that's a fairly accurate manifestation of Crackerjack. It loves to be from family photos or Beatrice's descriptions or whatever. But Bojack is seeing him for the first time. So, in much the same way that Sarah Lynn's aging, is a manifestation of Bojack's typical dream. I guess maybe over the course of the various dreams that we know he's had more than once, those the Butterscotch and Secretary characters have melded over time in his subconscious. It's, as you say, like the father figure he was staring at on the telly versus the one that he kind of resented on the sofa. Over time, after dream after dream after dream, have become one because he was never particularly happy with either of them. Both versions were too flawed that he's kind of... The dream has managed to find the perfect one for him. Almost like salvaged one good potential dad. Mm. I say a good, very loosely there, uh, potential <laughs> dad out of the two. A bit like when we see uh, in the episode Time's Arrow through Beatrice's um, very much deteriorating mind and memory of all those interchangeable things that like the brain mm. just just fills the gap because it can. I love the way they play with that in this episode specifically. Uh, but that, the, the Butterscotch Secretary stuff is just wonderful. Mm. Herb introduces Sarah Lynn. They're in an auditorium now. They're on the stage. It's time for the big show. And Sarah Lynn is going to perform first. She dedicates performance to Bojack Horseman. Um, 
who blurts, he sort of like blurts out an apology at this point before she's able to start playing. Apologises for everything that happened with him. Says he should have protected her. Much like Zach Braff, she says, ah, ah, ah. It's a very sort of dismissive, not now, Bojack. This uh, this is my time. Um, she plays the Don't Stop Dancing song um, very beautifully on a piano um, until it morphs into a, like, morphs into a contemporary pop refrain. It's a um, updated, like, EDM version of the Don't Stop Dancing song, but then it simply drops again back into Sarah Lynn's vocals. Um, and by the time she reaches the line, quote, a song you taught me when I was small, she replays the Don't Stop Dancing line with increasing vacancy, a lack of any emotion. It's almost like she's dying while living and she approaches a door that has suddenly appeared on the stage that is wide open. There's nothing but black space that we can see in this door. She turns her back, holds her nose, and falls back into it. She disappears from view, but she does so with the sound of a squelch that we can hear. Uh, Bojack screams for her by the door, and we see the shot at this point from the point of view of a fallen Sarah Lynn looking up at Bojack. Uh, so he is looking down into this vacant space, but this space is both the abyss and the tar. It's all awful things through this door. And Sarah Lynn has just been the first one to take a ride through it. Again, there is a sort of a realisation that if we, the viewer, are not getting, Bojack himself is getting as he sort of travels along through it. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Corduroy Jackson Jackson, who, again, rather fittingly, is doing a ribbon trapeze act. He finds himself hanging because, of course, he does. Um, that ends in him. We only sort of see it over Bojack's shoulder as he's trying to make sense of the doorway. And that ends with him sort of hanging and swinging and eventually, again, also plummeting through the door. Bojack at this point pesters Herb about this door. He doesn't like the idea of it whatsoever. But Herb tells Bojack, quote, you'll get your turn and instructs him to sit down. Bojack is still just desperate to wake up, but no cigar because it's time for Zach Braff. At which point, when Bojack is really struggling to deal with these performances back to back to back to back, but a Scotch slash secretariat offers him out for a smoke. Um, they go out for a cigarette, and what looks at first like a balcony to lean on outside the auditorium is, of course, the bridge where secretariat took his own life. Um, Secretariat is Secretariat slash Butterscotch is angry that all of those discussions uh, that they were having about death um, and all the follow up performances, they're all just bullshit to him about how none of them found any kind of meaning or peace or purpose in death. They don't understand the real ramifications of death. Bojack wants to believe that this can possibly be true, this purpose, this meaning, this added dimension of death, that it all doesn't have to be for nothing. But Butterscotch slash Secretariat reasons that all of them ended up there in the same place with them. It didn't matter what they did, they all ended up there. Nothing they did mattered. Bojack asks if he could have done anything different, and he replies, quote, what would I do? I wouldn't have cared so much. I know this part is confusing because I'm secretariat and also your dad for some reason, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm speaking as your dad. It's important that you know I cared. You think I didn't care because I put up walls, but I cared so much about you, Bojack about your mother. I wanted you to respect me. I wanted you to love me. I was so afraid that you would know that. I cared so much. It's a shame that we could never talk like this in real life. All the good it would have done. Bojack replies with, quote, at least we got the chance this time before I wake up. And he replies, quote, wake up. You're not getting it, are you? 
Butterscotch slash Secretariat flicks the cigarette off that very familiar bridge that they stood on. And as they peer down to watch it fall, it doesn't fall into the river where Secretariat died, but it falls into Bojack's pool where Bojack is floating face down. It's a flip of that shot that we've seen 74, 75 times before of Bojack floating in the opening credits. But this time he's face down in the water. Our view, rather fittingly, is that of Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter as they look down on Bojack as he's fallen back first into the pool. He is now there looking down on himself. Will this be the point that he gets it? They go back in to the party to see Zach Braff, but more on that in a second because it feels poignant to pause on this emotionally charged conversation between father slash racehorse and son. <laughs> all the layers to this. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we kind of now, it all becomes very, very clear as to how this mm-hmm. is playing out um, with, indeed, Bojack and Secretariat slash Butterscotch Horse. I'm just going to call Secretary now from, from mm-hmm. this point. Um, oh, God. I think I wrote in my notes at this point, the reveal of Bojack in the pool based down is it's a huge huge moment uh in this whole show in this entire mm-hmm. show um your heart stops it's horrible y- you know i'm sure you've probably picked up on the clues by this point bojack mentioning the chlorine taste of the water the sort of the weird inclusion of both the tar and the water seemingly like being inside of him perhaps filling mm-hmm. up his lungs essentially that kind of thing there's a lot of stuff going on here obviously you you, you know the, the symbolism is there for all to see but finally seeing him in the uh, face down in the pool after as you say for so long now whether it's the opening credits whether it's in a picture whether it's anything we see Bojack looking down at himself inside the pool it's only the silhouette of him he's definitely face down it does not look good at all it really can't be understated as well we don't always do this on podcasts at least but um because, you know, we'd like to think this can be listened to out of context. And But at the time, ahead of the what we knew to be the final season air and before it aired, all the clues had pointed towards that if this character was going to face death, he was going to do so in something water-based. It, yeah. As you said, there was, there was all those clues there before that were fairly overt. There was Secretariat's own death that, you know, was often thought, fan theories were that ultimately Bojack would just go the same way. What he'd seen on television would leave such an imprint that it would eventually be the thing that yeah. did him in too. And this reveal, like in just a split second, confirming that all of those fears that we had for this character might actually be true, was, I think, so pointed because we knew why Bojack was there before Bojack the character did, but seeing it made real in that split second was almost, as it confirmed for Bojack that this is far worse than a dream, mate, it also confirmed for us what everybody in this community of fans had thought for years. When he goes near the water, it's game over. Things things are never, ever well for Bojack. Uh, whenever he's near that body of water. I mean, you mm. see it so many times, you know, there are endless callbacks throughout the show numerous and if you do end up going mm-hmm. back and watch the show and of course you bloody will because it's the best show <laughs> uh you will see this um but my god how they have turned what seems like such a beautiful scene and like an amazingly like privileged scene at, in the opening credits where he's on that lilo just enjoying the sun in his pool oh <laughs> they've, they've changed that vibe right about now i think it's fair to say Speaking of changing a vibe, Nicholas, mm. we go to Zach Braff, who is saying something incredibly profound about life mm. and death and the universe and everything. As Bojack storms in screaming, stop the show, stop the show. 
The show he has tried to stop is Zach Braff doing a roller dance routine in pink hot pants that we only see when he pulls away from the podium with the top half of a tuxedo and the bottom half with these pink shorts on, um, which somewhat undercuts the profundity of the message he was trying to get across, as does his own slow roll towards that devastating black door, which he <laughs> fills, which he fills and punctuates with countless unfinished projects that are basically just ludicrous puns on his name. These uh, last final moments he wants to share with these people are just various untitled Zach Braff projects that just make the use of his, I don't know, quite a dexterous name that I didn't realise it ever was. It's the last opportunity for the writers to get some silly tongue twisters out, but it's the last opportunity for Zach Braff to do anything. He rolls in the door like the rest of them. Bojack continues to panic, um, reliving for the first time this episode, the end of the last episode, recalling that he went swimming in the pool after the bender that we saw him on, where he was watching those old episodes of Horsing Around and watching the old audition footage on the Blu-rays. But he's sure he got out the pool and he called Diane. He's absolutely sure of it. If he didn't drown, he can't be here. This cannot be right. Whatever, here, even his. All of the doors slam as he tries to exit them. He tries to take any exit path away from the stage, but they just bring him back to the stage. And anyway... Sit down, Bojack, because it's time for the next performance. It's Secretariat reading a poem that he's prepared called The View from Halfway Down. And if you'll permit me, I will, uh, and I won't be able to do the justice that Will Arnett gives it both barrels in this one, but I will read Secretariat's poem in full. It's relatively short. The View from Halfway Down. The weak breeze whispers nothing. The water screams sublime. His feet shift teeter-totter. Deep breath, stand back, it's time. Toes untouched the overpass, soon he's water-bound. Eyes locked shut, but peek to see the view from halfway down. The door suddenly appears on the side of the stage, but he explains that he's not done. Quote, hold on, I'm not done, and he insists on continuing on. A little wind, a summer sun, a river rich and regal, a flood of fond endorphins bring a calm that knows no equal. You're flying now, you see things much more clear from, than from the ground. It's all okay, or it would be, were you not now halfway down. The door reappears. Secretariat begins to panic a little bit, but on he goes. Thrash to break from gravity. What now could slow the drop? All I'd give for toes to touch. The safety back at top. And he's looking more and more rattled, more and more concerned. But this is it. The deed is done. Silence drowns the sound. Before I leaped, I should have seen the view from halfway down. It's very clear what's happening to him now. The door is pulling him in, just like his own suicide did, and he doesn't want to do it. Says, quote, I changed my mind. I don't want to. I don't want to. But Herb Kazaz, ever the resilient MC, is there to coax him through the last little bit. He says, I really should have thought about the view from halfway down. I wish I could have known about the view from halfway down. And he falls, screaming to his death through that door in, I guess, the audio version of the visual that we saw all those many years ago. Bojack bails again. Of course he does. But an exit door just brings him again back onto the stage. There is no escape from it. Herb takes on a devil-like creature as he lurches over Bojack. All of a sudden, his glitzy suit turned evil. The face of hell seems to consume her as he screams, sit down, and Bojack is forced into this chair. Herb says, quote, it's possible someone will find you and save you. And it's also possible someone won't. We don't get to know. Herb explains that this is just Bojack's brain 
going through what it is going through, whatever it is that might be. In the meantime, Beatrice and Crackerjack are up. They do their performance. Crackerjack plays a trumpet while Beatrice does a very elegant ribbon dance. But the elegance quickly turns sour and very much in keeping with the theme of this episode. She whispers in Bojack's ear, this is the hard part. And she raises up and wraps herself again elegantly in the ribbon and whispers again. And now the easy part, as both her and Crackerjack are engulfed in the tar, ribbon, trumpet and all, and dragged into the door. The only thing left behind is the jet black tar covered ribbon that she was once swirling at the start of her performance. She is gone. Only Herb as MC and Bojack Horseman, the last performer, remain on the stage. I mean, where do I even begin with this? Like, <laughs> where on earth do I even start? Let's talk about the poem real quick. Mm-hmm. I say real quick. I will obviously be revisiting it uh, when we get to the horse around section of this episode. Oh, when's that coming? <laughs> but um, <laughs> this is both. One of the most beautiful pieces of writing I think I've seen on television, uh, but also one of the saddest, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, just, that's just so good. And the, what, what did we see before this played out? We see them at, that, at the last meal and uh, Secretariat is so adamant about how the best moment of his life, the best thing that ever happened was killing himself. Mm-hmm. And obviously it comes off the bat of a conversation and discussion about authenticity that they've had around the table prior and stuff like that. And it turns out the whole time that wasn't that that wasn't it. And that this mm-hmm. this idea of and even at the start of the poem, obviously you you delivered it wonderfully there. But of course <laughs> even even not even as, not as well as Will Arnett. Not as well as Will Arnett, of course, but that's no uh, no jive on you, of course. He's just <laughs> that damn good. Incredibly, yeah, the way they break this up, he sounds so happy at the beginning of this poem. And bit by bit, interruption by interruption, the realization that he is indeed on his way down. It's just, it's just so well done. I, I imagine this, this connected with people on, on multiple levels, I would imagine, uh, whether obviously people have personally been affected by this kind of thing, friends and family, or anything of that nature. But even just to anybody who's let's be honest, has walked a day on this earth. Uh, mm-hmm. can understand the, the sort of gravitas that comes with this. It's just so, it's so huge. I mean, you are listening to a man describe his last moments or a horseman describe his last moments as he's plumbing towards the ground and the instant feeling of regret that he's having and the inevitable sort of nature of it all as there is literally nothing you can do as we are seeing the visual of literal impending doom in the this time in the form of the door getting closer mm. and closer, much like the view of the water would have been getting closer and closer to his face. I want to put this over, this poem in this section, as the finest achievement in Bojack Horseman. And I feel safe to say that on a spoiler-free podcast when we've only got one episode left, finally. Um, and the reason why, and you touched on it straight away by crediting the writing, um, it made me reflect on something that we've said throughout the show, and I stand by it, but I'm going to pick it a little bit now that we've got this late in. We've always said that this shows, like, advocates over and over again for the importance of diversity in the writers' room. You need people who have lived with the things that the writers are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, women, especially, 
in the writers' room on this show to be able to formulate plots around complex experiences with sexual abuse or power <laughs> dynamics or, or you know things that, of that nature that this show's like leaned on very heavily for like important plot developments and, and indeed character arcs and things of that nature. Nobody that was tasked with illustrate mid-suicide regret has ever experienced that. And why this made me think about that in such detail was, ha have we inadvertently undermined the writing abilities of these writers by just merely suggesting, well, you live through it so you can just write about that. Like, I, I never wanted it to come across like I was saying, I'll oh, just take a note from your diary, take a note from your saddest day and insert it into the show because that undermines the incredible skill and the incredible craft. This is as illustrative as that of that craft as anything ever in this show because nobody, nobody living has ever experienced an emotion such as mids. We don't know if this emotion even exists and yet they have illustrated us, like they've illustrated that to us in a way. If if a survivor, if somebody attempted suicide, survived and spoke about it, they can still only talk about it through the prism of their survival of a suicide attempt, not, I was going to say success there, I don't mean that, not the completion of a suicide attempt, not death. That has never existed in human history and that was their task for the day and they did it in a poem and, I mean, give it every award or invent new awards for it. Because I think that is the finest achievement on a show that achieves more in its worst episode than most do in their best. Like, I think this is a masterpiece of an episode, a powerhouse, as we would say, but that almost doesn't, you know, do it enough justice. But this scene for me, they've shown us more than any of them could have even experienced in their life. And they've done it in a way that I wonder if I'll ever see done better again. I mean, it's hard to top that. Uh, what I would say... The only things I would add to that are that knowing this show, it would not surprise me in the slightest. And I do believe that, you know, the, the very uh, specific collection of this writer's room, it's not by accident. You know, it's not one of these where people have fluked their way into this job. They are there for a reason. They've been picked for a reason because these are talented folks who have all got that same vision in mind when it comes mm -hmm. to this show and it comes to the large large topics that it will deal with. Uh, the only thing I would suggest is that it would not surprise me for one second if in some way, shape or form, they have had access to someone who has maybe experienced it, as you said, perhaps a survivor. Yeah. But of course, there's no way to, I mean, I would imagine there was quite a difficult way to sort of explain how that, that I mean, how do you even yeah. begin to try and explain that? You're right, you're yeah. absolutely right. And this is just, you know, Sensation. The only other thing I would say is we don't need awards, as this show has taught us, they are meaningless. But if they yeah. weren't meaningless, <laughs> if they weren't meaningless, this show undoubtedly would deserves them all. Uh, and I just it's hard not to be completely and utterly blown away by this and know that like there's still more of the episode to this isn't the final note of this episode, and we're still sitting here picking up the pieces of our mind that's been blown by this multitude of emotions that we're experiencing at this point. Television is still being made, despite the fact that Bojack Horseman just completed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's still this happening. This is very true. I mean, it's still happening. And, you know, not to sort of take away from the others, because they're all big moments in this. I mean, the the moment for me where things started to get, and this, 
it was dark enough watching that doorway creep slowly and slowly closer to Secretariat. Worse yet that he fell backwards through it this time, much like Bojack would have done in the opening credits like that. That fall yeah. is, is different again because he doesn't get to see this time. Like he's mm-hmm. already seen it, it, it from his own words of his experience. And it's a, it's, another, it's a different fall altogether, which tells me it was more fear for him as he went through that mm-hmm. because he just couldn't see anything. On top of that, though, um, coming out the other end, you get the others that happened here. And we see it's Bojack's mother and, of course, Crackerjack. Um, so Beatrice and Crackerjack. The thing that really, as a visual thing, and maybe it's just me personally, that really sort of put the should put the terror in you properly is when the doorway essentially comes to life as the tar starts to take on sort of a a form, doesn't it? And it comes out mm, of the door. Yeah. As Beatrice is midway through her ribbon uh, a ribbon dance where she's essentially mummifying herself with the ribbon uh, before mm. it literally grabs hold of her and we don't see it, which is even more powerful. We only see Bojack's reaction and it literally grabs her and quite literally sucks the life out of her to the point where it is it has taken her away. Like she has unraveled. There's mm. nothing left of her. She's unraveled and read into that whatever you want. And the actual ribbon that had her is just laced in black tar there's no more white ribbon it's all black it's tarred it's gone and Crackerjack is gone and everything in that scene is like being dragged in by little yeah. extensions of the the tar in like a almost it's like John Carpenter as the thing has come yeah. out of the in the in the form of the black tar is grabbing things which makes it even more terrifying this moment because it's not like this isn't just the the, the darkness that you're jumping into the darkness is now physically coming out and grabbing yes. people taking the life away from them is removing even the option of going on your own terms. Oh, it's just, you, you've already said it, a powerhouse. And, and we're not even finished yet. We're not even finished. Captured by death's tendrils rather than oh. just simply slipping away into death. Good God. It is, um, it is Bojack's time. Um, Herb gives him an introduction that for those eagle-eared listeners will have spotted in Adam Nicholas's introduction to this episode, basically reviewing everything we know of him uh, in bullet points, all the shows that he's been in, all the families had or not had. Um, and Bojack at this point simply trudges towards the door. He asks Herb if it's, quote, terrifying. And Herb replies, quote, no, I don't think so. It's the way it is, you know. Everything comes to an end. The drip finally stops. Bojack says, quote, see you on the other side. But as the tar consumes Herb, he tells him there is no other side. Quote, this is it. Tar, having taken Herb, suddenly manifests as this giant monster that we've seen teases of, as you pointed out with Beatrice. It chases Bojack through the auditorium and back through every room that we've seen in this episode. It's like chasing him back through the history of this, what has previously been a dream sequence until now. It's his chilling reality. He keeps saying he needs to find a phone. Please let me find a phone. But the Tar is chasing and persisting and unrelenting. Bojack somehow runs into the bird that he chased away earlier on, but in its face now just loops in a terrifying fashion and it itself begins to get consumed by the tar. Chaos is now reigning and Bojack simply cannot compete with the size and the scale of the tar that is eating everything. It is taking everything in its path. Suddenly he's back in the horse and around kitchen. The phone rings and on the other end, it's Diane. Bojack begs Diane to save him from the other side of the line, but she can't. She's in Chicago, and it's at that moment that he remembers it went to voicemail. She, he did ring Diane, but it went to voicemail. She didn't pick up. So what did he do? He went back to the pool, and that is the moment 
where he believes he is exactly, unfortunately, where he has to be. Diane confirms this for him over the phone. She says, quote, it's too late. What's done is done, Bojack. There's nothing I can do. None of this is real. Bojack peers back over the bridge, which he's found himself back on now, and looks down again at his body floating in the pool as the tar surrounds him. Both hymns, the one in the pool, the one that we're stood talking with right now, and everything else in the screen. He asks Diane, quote, so what do I do now? Diane says, quote, Bojack, it doesn't matter. So he says, well, if it doesn't matter, can I at least stay on the phone with you? And she replies, okay. He asks her how her day was, and she just says in a rather dreamlike state, my day was good. The tar covers Bojack's shoes, consuming him once and for all. It fills the screen, which effectively serves as our fade to black, as a heart monitor does that long, flat and we hit the credits. But because Bojack Horseman is better than the show you fucking like, if you watch the credits like Bojack Horseman fucking told you to all those episodes ago, you will hear the heart monitor start beeping again. The beep goes from boop to boop, 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 indicating that maybe, just maybe, this is not the end after all. How do we know that? Because you see the fucking people that made this work of art and scene. Because they are smart and we are dumb. And everybody else who, who thinks that they, they should just skip the end of these credits is also dumb. And I realise, <laughs> in fairness, it's probably not your fault if you haven't changed your settings on Netflix. No. But let me tell you right this second, dear listener, if ever there was a time where you are to stop whatever you're doing, including this podcast, pause it right now, go to Netflix and turn off the sentence that skip through your credits. Because if you do not, you will miss this. You will miss this moment. And yes, you will say, but guys, we could just watch the next episode straight away. Well, that's great. That's lovely. But this is not the way the experience was intended. The experience no. was right there. And imagine... It's infuriating to think that Netflix, the way that this system works, of jumping across the credits, denied a lot of people, myself included, on first ever viewing of this uh, season playout, uh, of that moment where the heart monitor starts again. Um, however, having said our little rant now, Michael, and our little piece, mm -hmm. one which we should point out, Raphael Bob Waxberg has championed himself continuously his frustrations with it because it just does not make any sense. No. For people to not see the show, and certainly not to see the people who created this show. I mean, think of all the effort that went into this episode. The, surely the people deserve at least their names to be shown on screen. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Here is your biggest reason why you should do it, and you'll never forget it, hopefully, after this episode. But my good God almighty, Michael. Oh. <laughs> the black tar coming to life. Well, it was already alive, but Christ becoming an actual horror monster, chasing yeah. Bojack to his literal, it will be his peril if it catches him, mm -hmm. is, is quite something. It really is quite something. And this whole episode is enough to knock you for six, that's for sure. Six seasons, to be, uh, to be correct. <laughs> um, oh, man. I'm still recovering now from you talking about it, and I was still recovering earlier after we just watched it. I feel like right now what I really want to say is we hope to this point We've done it justice enough because to give you a little peel back behind our own curtain, thankfully mm. there are no large quantities of black 
talk. I know. <laughs> but um, we, the way we do the show is we get one night. We we limit ourselves to just we watch it, and then we do our like do our notes while we watch it, and we will record the episode in the same night. We do it all in one night. One for admin purposes, but two because we like to kind of it to be as authentic as possible, so as quick as we can do it, and like it's our reactions from it with a little bit of research, of course, in between yeah. as we're doing our notes. But that's it. And we are. This was one of the episodes, including a bunch of others we've already had in this season, where we thought, "God damn it, we hope we do this justice because it's such a great episode of television." We hope we have to this point. You can all tell us how bad of a job we did <laughs> at the end once we get finished with the horse in the round two. But I felt worthy of noting this because it is such a broad, thematic, heavy, motif-riddled episode with so much detail in it. I feel like it would have been, you'd need about, I don't even know, a month to really properly look at this episode and just really break it down. I watched this and I was transported back to January 2020 when I was watching this episode on the day that it dropped on Netflix. And it was like a boat then as it was now of, Oh, God, I'm the kind of dweeb that wants to do a podcast about this show. Yeah. And here we are, nearly two years later, worried that I've not done a good enough job of the yeah. podcast about this show. It's all <laughs> come full circle. It's all come full. Just don't stop recording until the curtain calls, Michael. <laughs> That's what you've got to keep doing. That's what we just keep doing. But, yes, this is a moment. Listen, I know there's going to be times in this podcast where it sounds like we're kind of losing our minds a little bit. But this is – I won't I'm, – I'm not afraid to say – everyone, and including you, it's starting to weird me out how close we are getting to the end of this show. Mm. And this feels like a huge moment. And it's quite overwhelming. I'm not going to lie to you. It's overwhelming. It's a, it's a powerhouse of an episode, but it is even more of a powerhouse to feel like we've reached this milestone. And it's good Lord. I don't want to alarm you, but the door behind you has just opened up and it's just black expanse. That's all I can see behind you. Know, I've, I've, I've changed my mind, Michael. I don't want to do the podcast anymore. We don't want to do the last episode. Please. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, yes. Incredible stuff. Thank you for all of your effort to at least the first half of this podcast, because it's there's a lot going on there. There's a whole lot mm-hmm. going on. Everybody relax. 
because there's still hope. The heart monitor is giving us hope. That's all we yes. need. And speaking of hope, let's go and find a little bit, shall we? I mean, I can't please. promise yes, you please. anything. I can't promise you anything. But let's go and admire the craft of this episode. We go and do the part of this show. Oh, I am worked up, man. I am worked up. <laughs> so, that we call horsing around, where we go back to the beginning of the episode and we find all of the hidden meanings behind things that we possibly can, I will say, this time around. All of the small details you might have missed and all of the Easter eggs. And undoubtedly, some heartbreak, some happiness, some pure... <laughs> oh, I don't even know what the words are anymore. Let's just go back and let's get this show on the road. We go back to the beginning of the episode. We go to what I've described as... The mansion doorstep, of course, the big house that we are outside of. And uh, as you mentioned briefly there, when Bojack arrives at the door of uh, this house at the doorstep and rings the doorbell, we see he's holding some plants, as you perfectly pointed out. We have hydrangeas that Bojack has brought for his mother. And, well, wouldn't you know, of course, well, what, a couple of seconds into the episode, and I had to pause this and go right on a deep dive about hydrangeas because <laughs> I knew it would come in handy. And, of course, I was not disappointed michael the hydrangea is derived from greek and means water vessel how about oh, that great or a first, one. First, one. first one do you get it do you get what they're doing he has brought the water vessel with him and given the way that this episode goes my oh my but there's more the hydrangea was first cultivated in japan the flower blooms during the rainy season from june to july of course heavily heavily tied to water in general. I know most plants are, but still, it is well known for this. Uh, in Japanese culture, the flowers are often associated with apologies, while in Europe, they are also they also have more negative connotations, with the Victorians deeming the flowers to mean vanity and boastfulness. And this association mm -hmm. is based on the ability of the plant to produce many flowers, but very few seeds. Peeling all this back, I mean, just to have a little listen to that, Bojack is obviously bringing these flowers What's he doing, Michael? He's feeling a bit guilty, isn't he? He's, he, mm -hmm. he wants to apologise to his mother, and essentially, for leaving her in a home to die, Michael, she's just left yeah. that. <laughs> I won't lie, I kind of punched the air on the episode when he did do it, but I guess <laughs> the, the grander scheme of things, probably not what he should have done. So the apologies are there, but yet, the vanity and boastfulness also feels quite fitting for both Bojack and Beatrice, doesn't it? A lot of emptiness going on there, a lot of on-the-surface um, posturing from two people who are well, damage wouldn't even go, wouldn't even begin to no. cover what's on the inside of these <laughs> two. States, it, doesn't it? And the many flowers, no seeds kind of idea as well. Really felt like Bojack's many one-night stands, but no offspring to show for it of his oh, own. Very good. Um, also, on top of that, we get the fact that Bojack, Michael, who does he bring to the literal party? If that's what we can never call this, he brings Sarah Lynn at the door. A very, very young Sarah Lynn, very, very deliberately the youngest version of Sarah Lynn. He brings her to the party. He takes her to death's doorstep, Michael, quite literally. Oh, God. And that was just the cold open. <laughs> <laughs> one of the shortest cold opens in this show's history. Right oh. It's got to be one of the, like, that. it was 30, yeah. 40 seconds, yeah. maybe. One conversation. Like <laughs> Really short. And it will last with me for a lifetime, I'm sure. <laughs> we do the opening credits. Thankfully, nothing's changed there either. <laughs> Good Lord. We go straight through into what I have called the hallway of the house The as we first walk in. You will immediately notice, of course, the tar that is dripping from the ceiling on the left-hand side as um, Beatrice puts the plants to one side, having not really been that bothered about them. The tar begins to drip onto the plants 
to the left and it's already causing them problems. But you will also see well, the first real shot we get before that is um, there's an ashtray on the top and you will see it's the ashtray you may have recognised. It's directly from Bojack's childhood home, uh, the ashtray. We've seen it in a shot before. Essentially, as you're going to get the gist of, as we go throughout the house, lots of little moments, because you're working inside Bojack's mind, have been pulled from certain parts of his life, certain places mm -hmm. of his life, and they fill up everywhere. This is the one of many. We go into the lounge where everybody is chasing that bird around. And as you mentioned, we've got the guests. We've got uh, Sarah Lynn. We've got Herb, Corduroy, Jackson Jackson, Cracker Jack, uh, Zach Braff, Beatrice, of course. Um, and the bird woman who is running around. Interesting to note the clothes that all the people are wearing. Now, obviously, Sarah Lynn is wearing multiple different uh, attires throughout this episode as she grows older and has a costume change at the stage show. More on that in just a bit. Uh, Herb's clothes are the ones that he was wearing during the version of him that Bojack has chosen to remember. You kind of touched on it where uh, it's, it's that. When he and Bojack are sort of riffing off each other, they're in a good place. They are specifically the clothes he's wearing when Bojack and Herb get that big break when it finally gets announced. Yes. Going yeah. to get the show, and does Bojack want to go and make loads of money and make stupid television? <laughs> Those are the clothes he's wearing. Corduroy Jackson, Jackson, of course, is wearing the attire that Bojack would have seen him in on set. Uh, I don't think he technically was wearing anything when he finally saw him. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. He would have seen him wearing before we saw him in that state, after the... Uh, strangling the dirty dangle, Michael, I believe they call it. <laughs> That's uh, been too long. Yeah, it has. Uh, Cracker Jack <laughs> was obviously in his army uniform, as you mentioned, uh, which Bojack would have seen through pictures. Zach Braff, inter interestingly, who is the butler mm. in this episode, now he's, he's obviously wearing the suit which you associate with him being a butler, but in fact, in the episode called Underground, which I believe is in season four, I want to say, where, you know, the fracking incident makes the yes. house drop down, that Zach Braff is there. And he is, in fact, wearing a suit in that episode. Um, mm. well, obviously, the it all goes a bit mad and the God of Fire turns up and Jessica Peel sets him on fire and hits <laughs> him. More on that again a little bit later. Uh, Beatrice is, of course, wearing her outfit from the debutante ball and the significance mm. of that is, of course... It was the night that she met but a Scotch horseman, Michael. That is why the significance is there. Yes. Um, there's also a couple of cute gags in here as they're chasing the bird around. Sarah Lynn, you can sort of see it if you've got the closed captions on. <laughs> it's just saying, she's a mid-sentence, saying, yeah, call yourself early and go get a worm. Bird <laughs> 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 woman. <laughs> Uh, before we find a bunch of paintings that can be seen on the wall as well. Lots of these have been drawn from different places. Uh, first off, above the fireplace, you will see the picture of the horseman, or the I guess the Sugarman family, technically, the Sugarman family portrait that we actually see at the old Sugarman place uh, when Bojack goes there. Uh, there's a picture of Cracker Jack in his uniform. There is also a picture of the house from horsing around, uh, the establishing shot of it outside. There's also um, the little uh, circular, the three silhouettes, like the, the silhouette portraits uh, and uh, profiles of uh, Beatrice, Butterscotch and Bojack that you'll find from the family home as well uh, there's also the Hockney painting of Bojack um, you know the Hockney ver uh, his version of the David Hockney painting uh, where Bojack is looking at himself in the swimming pool mm -hmm. that picture is there only this time around we've seen it at his house so many times where it's him swimming in the pool if you look carefully the person in the pool is dead and they are face down oh brilliant amazing is telling you they told you before it even happened what was happening you just had to be paying attention to the pictures in the room there's also another uh, picture i believe it's a painting 
uh, over here. It's the it's the blue sad horse painting I've called it, uh, but it seems I think it's the old painting uh, of Joseph Sugarman's that um, Beatrice inherits once Joseph Sugarman passes away, and she gifts it to Bojack in the nineties as a sort of housewarming gift, I think, or just a, a nice gift for him, I guess. Mm. Um, interestingly, though, if you have any memory of this, way way back, and there's a reason they are bringing our attention to this. You will recall in season one when Sarah Lynn has the mad house party at Bojack's house at uh, the very beginning where we first kind of meet her actually, I believe. And there's that moment where she's asking if our friends can do stuff in the house and Bojack's saying no. There's a bunch of people who are drilling through Bojack's wall, you'll remember, like a bunch of party goers who are trying mm-hmm. to make a bar, I think, out of his wall or something. The drill goes straight through that painting, the uh, the blue sad horse painting that's on his wall. And a little bit more on that later on. Um, Ooh, okay. We also get a, a couple more pictures here. There's the family picture uh, from the living room of Beatrice and Butterscotch. It's the one of the Horseman family, the one where Beatrice and uh, Butterscotch are facing away from each other and Bojack is in the middle with no one looking at him. Poor Bojack. Yeah. And then there's another tiny uh, couple of uh, pictures, just small ones from like a family vacation where they're in different clothes, Bojack, Beatrice and Butterscotch. We then go to the kitchen. And obviously, as you've mentioned, the kitchen is almost, it's it's certainly like about 95% the kitchen from horsing around with a few mm. little bits that are different. Um, just like, you'll know, it's more patterns than anything massively notable, but they're slightly different than what you'd normally see. Um, and of course, then you get the bird woman, which is interesting. Now, obviously, this show, they know what they're doing, Michael. They're, 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 yeah. They have a good track record with these things. Uh, the bird, as soon as I saw the bird person, I paused the episode and was like, Come on then, let's go for a walk down bird symbolism lane, shall we, see, and see what I can find. And of course, I was not disappointed, because as most people will probably know, uh, birds are often seen as a symbolic, uh, or, or as symbolic of messengers uh, who have the messages that we have in life, of course, both literally and figuratively often. Uh, but there's also that old uh, superstition or thing, isn't there, about birds in the house. If a bird comes in your house and leaves, it can... Be good luck, I think it is, and then, but if a bird, oh, okay, right, yeah. but if a bird comes into your house and dies, then it is symptomatic of death, mm. unsurprisingly. And uh, it's interesting that we get the sort of tease that the bird has left, but of course later in the episode, the the bird has is still in the house and has the life drained, literally drained out of it once again by the tar of Hollywood or the Tower of Bojack, or whatever we think this Tower is these days. Mm. Um, we go back, we not go back to, we go to the dining room for, quite notably, Michael, I guess the scene is the last meal, isn't it? It's the, the last mm. meal derived from it. And there's an interesting little tie-in here, because obviously the last meal is usually associated with what you get for your last meal. You get to pick your last meal, if you're usually if you're you know, a prison inmate who was on death row or whatever, what do you want for your last yeah. meal? You get to choose. This, however as then plays into the meals you will see on the plates, is more literal. It is probably the last meals they had before they all passed away. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Sarah Lynn can be seen eating uh, just like a burger, fries and a drink, kind of fast yeah. food. Um, you also see at, at that point her age has changed, we should point out, as she continues to do throughout the episode. Herb, brilliantly, Michael, is eating a bowl of nuts. And I was like, why is he eating a bowl of nuts? It doesn't make any sense to me. And then I realised, of course, Michael, when he crashed his car, he crashed into a truck full of peanuts. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Because he survived the car crash, but died of the allergic reaction to the peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> and cancer as well, no less, which is just even worse. 
oh, the dark irony there, because there's all that gag about him texting while he's on the phone, isn't it, while he's driving. And he, mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, the peanuts are on his thing, because they would have technically been the last thing he physically consumed, whether it was just the vapors or whatever. Um, Corduroy is drinking a protein shake. You can say that, but when his, when his silver plate is dropped down and the top is taken off, He's a lemon. Of course he is, because it was the last mm-hmm. thing he bit down into before he passed. Beatrice is eating what looks to be like a, sort of a, a plate that is divided into sections, like a TV dinner almost. There's meat, mm-hmm. there's mashed potatoes, there's peas, and there's a little side sachet of what I assume is like mint sauce. But the whole thing looks very much like the kind of tray that you would get in a nursing home, Michael, that kind of food, yes. food in a tray. Cracker Jack is eating uh, rations because, of course, he is. He was in the mm-hmm. ward, you know, um, <laughs> despite the fact that all of his kills were friendly fire, which is such what? a wonderful reveal. Uh, his, his drinking, um, I was going to say a vehicle. I'm going to say a vehicle. That's definitely a better word. His drinking vehicle is a drinking canister that he would have had in the yeah. war that he would have had on his hip. Um, and brilliantly, Zach Braff brings to Bojack, which, again, we start to see the clues here, is the, first of all, it's a bottle of water, which... You're kind of thinking it's going to be vodka, but then, of course, he drinks mm-hmm. it in a taste of chlorine, which is our kind of first clue that he's in the pool. But then also the food that is revealed is just a pile of pills, which, of course, yeah. is the flashback to everything he did at the end of the last episode. But, yes, he's in the pool. Do you get it, lads? They put him in the pool. <laughs> chlorine. Um, we get a few things here. Uh, we get Sarah Lynn again. Like, during the meal changes again, age, and she becomes like adult Sarah Lynn. Uh, and sort of that's where we she doesn't get any older that's as as far as it goes uh, Beatrice mentions a few things to Bojack at this point she does mention how uh, the lollipop song she says Bojack is Bojack going to be singing the lollipop song later on which of course is a reference to way back in the very early seasons when uh, we get a flashback of uh, young Bojack and his sailing little boat sailor outfit yes. under yeah. the table it's under the table and Beatrice says to him Michael oh the words she says to him are, you go out there and you do the only thing you're good for, which is singing the goddamn lollipop song. Oh. So even now, in his last meal, he can't escape the horrors of his past. Um, we also see a few more things here as we go down. I've just written down there the exceptional reveal of <laughs> Cracker Jacks. All my kills were friendly fire. Uh, <laughs> put on a pedestal he has been by his yes. family, specifically Beatrice, which has essentially used Cracker Jack as a, as a stick to beat Bojack with so many times. Mm-hmm. It's like a mark that he would never live up to, and it turns out it wasn't even a big deal anyway. He was not right. that good, really, let's be honest, uh, which also ties in really well to that whole idea that Bojack asks about um, how when we valorise the idea of sacrifice, of loss, of suffering, when we grow up in a house that does that, we internalise this idea that being happy is a selfish act but sacrifice doesn't actually mean anything in his world, certainly. Um, it's all very deep. It's all very philosophical. The conversations around the table as well, it seems no, uh, interesting to note, that are all, they all feel like, because all of these characters, of course, are extensions of Bojack's questions for his own psyche, because that's where we are. We're in Bojack's mm-hmm. mind. They obviously ask a lot of questions about, is sacrifice any good? Is, is it good? Uh, is bringing joy to others through art important? Uh, what's the deal with authenticity, as Jerry Seinfeld would say. <laughs> um, and also selfless good deeds, as you mentioned. Sort of felt like a bit of a friend's call back that one, didn't it? Mm. Um, I also think it was worth noting, or certainly worth bringing up, just how gross the song title is that Sarah Lynn mentions about the one that goes to the mo- to Mars or whatever she says. 
The song is called No, 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 parentheses, No means yes. Oh, it's just, it's just horrible, man. Mm. Oh, why is Hollywood and the real Hollywood so horrible, man? Mm-hmm. Um, also, of course, when Secretary enters, it's just quite interesting, isn't it? That uh, he is, of course, dubbed father as it dad, you know, the, the, the blending of the two. And like you mm-hmm. say, as he walks in, um, he's got the sort of wreath around his neck of roses, like this, uh, which could look celebratory, but also to me felt a little bit like uh, the kind you'd see at a funeral, you know, like at the side of yeah. maybe a, um, a coffin. That were there, mm-hmm. I thought it was really well, uh, really clever the way they managed to play it on both of those. Um, when Secretary sits down, though, we do get to see that his meal is um, it's interesting because his meal that he has feels very much like maybe it might be Butterscotch's meal because he gets um, I think it's like a bottle of Jack Spaniels <laughs> and two, <laughs> and he gets two just two eggs, just two eggs on a plate, okay. yeah, 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 like, like, yeah whiskey or, or, or Jack Daniels and, and eggs, you know what I mean? Just such a... Fitness, fitness based, but with the vice on the side. Yeah, sort of thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's also, just I've written down here, there's the, that moment where the, as you're watching that tar just going bigger and bigger across the ceiling each time we cut to it. Um, and Bojack saying the words, well, like, uh, it must have been from when I was swimming earlier and then realising, when was I swimming? As things started to take that horrible turn. Um <clears throat> We go from there, of course, though, to the stage show, as I've labelled it, yeah. The show, the big mm-hmm. Hollywood ending. Uh, the layout of it just seems like, <clears throat> as you go through the door, it feels very similar to when we saw Bojack in the doorway of the Laugh Shack the other week. I know, obviously, it could be any any old stage at this point, but it just felt like the way we went through that doorway felt very similar to what the walk might have been to going on the stage at the Laugh Shack. And, of course, there's a brick wall sort of look behind it to begin with before it all changes around. Um, and then we sort of see a few little things start to change here. Sarah Lynn is, of course, the first to do her performance. Um, interestingly, she has a bit of an outfit change again, and the outfit that she's wearing is what I'm calling an inversion of the exact outfit that she wears to Herb's funeral. Um, ah, yes, with the handprints. Yeah, the... with the handprints yeah. on, the, on the outfit. It's all black for Herb's funeral, but this one is it feels like someone has inverted the colour scheme. It's a lot as like white in there, or like a white, slightly off light blue almost. Uh it's sort of a, a change in it there. Because of course this is to hammer the home the fact that this whole thing is starting to feel a bit like Bojack's funeral at one point as yeah. everyone's performing. Um if you hadn't already picked up the gist. <laughs> um <laughs> and then of course she sings Don't Stop Dancing Till the Curtain Calls. This song that we heard Gina singing in uh, season five, episode eleven. But interestingly, the lyrics are different, of course, because it's mm. a different version. Gina has one version, but we do have this one. I do have the lyrics written down here, and as you mentioned, at one point the song does change. Um, the tone of the song changes because there's kind of like a, a remix. Is probably the wrong term, but there's a mix in there of what feels like a version of Prickly Muffin, kind of the the, the beat of Prickly Muffin, isn't it? When it sort of changes. Uh, pace a bit but I'll just go through the lyrics uh, for the song uh, just real quick yeah life is a never ending show old sport except the minor detail that it ends the overtures a lifetime but the show is short here with all your family and friends you run the race you blurt your lines they put your face on shirts and shrines a giant signs a thousand feet tall and don't stop dancing don't stop dancing till the curtain call Shows are a never-ending life, of course. A silhouette, that's a silhouette that stays when you are gone. Doesn't that sound familiar? Mm. What use is the struggle and the strife, old horse? End it, and your legacy lives on. 
The chatter stops, the crowd departs, a needle drops, the music starts. A song you taught me when I was small, as you said, don't stop dancing, don't stop dancing. But then, of course, she ends up going through the goddamn doorway. Oh, <laughs> it's fucking sure, man. <laughs> um, obviously, brilliantly, well, not brilliantly, rather heartbreakingly, as Bojack is shouting down the doorway to see where Sarah Lynn is. Of course, he says, Sarah Lynn, Sarah Lynn. Much oh, like did, yes, of course. Much like he did on the night that she died. But this one, it feels a lot more shouted because he's in a panic. Um, Corduroy's performance, of course, is real quick, his uh, onstage performance. Notably, of course, he's wearing a yellow attire, Michael. Did you get it? Because it's like the lemon that he sucked on and bit down yeah. on before we die. But there is an awful moment in the animation where he just goes limp as he's doing, like he's on like a, what would you call it? A bit of like ribbon that the, like a trapeze artist would use, like mm -hmm. wrap himself around. Yeah. Uh, it, he sort of just goes limp uh, to sort of mimic, obviously, the autoerotic asphyxiation before getting just lumped into that doorway. It's like it swings him away, but there's this horrible mm -hmm. moment in the animation. If you keep your eyes peeled, it happens for like a couple of seconds, he just goes limp. It's not very nice at all. Uh, but then, of course, as always with Bojack, we're hit with some late relief, I guess. Uh, <laughs> a little callback as Herb says, next up, you know him, you love him. Please give a warm, warm, burning hot welcome to Zach Braff, which is, of course, a wink and a nod, a reference back to season four, episode seven, Underground, where Jessica Biel literally set <laughs> Zach Braff on fire to kill him as an offering to the god of fire. <laughs> <laughs> It all made sense at the time, didn't yeah, it? Like, in it context, it all made sense. It all makes perfect sense. We go out onto the balcony, but it's not really the balcony, Michael. It is, of course, the bridge which uh, Secretary jumped off as Bojack and he share a smoke. Uh, they, are, they aren't smoking Lucky Strike, Michael. They are smoking Lucky Stripe, it seems, on the packet, not Lucky Strike. Um, and Secretary, of course, when he's talking to Bojack, um, he does that bit where he sort of reminds him that he's butterscotch before he says... You think I didn't care because I put up walls, but I cared so much, Bojack, about you, about your mother. I wanted you to respect me. I wanted you to love me. I was so afraid that you wouldn't know that. I cared so much. And the more we sort of, I guess we've already realised a lot by this point, but the more you think about it, how sad it is that these are probably not the words that even remotely came close to being said to Bojack, but they're just the words he wanted to hear after all those years. And they kind of come out subconsciously in Secretariat slash Butterscotch Horseman. I didn't want to derail the review with my own personal breakdown I was having during this line, but there's some real hard truth to that. that I've, said, I've said this before, there are various themes that I don't think have ever been quite so effectively articulated as they were in Bojack Horseman, but this is real. And I say this as a, I say this as a father mm. and as a son to a father, that I think has passed something on to me that I didn't realise until I was watching this, which is this idea that you should present... It is better to present the facade of a person that's got it all together rather mm. than a person that passes on the very useful knowledge that, in fact, you don't. Yeah. And it is something I grapple with daily as a dad, and my dad did the former, and I was led to believe until I hit my mid-20s, hang on, they were winging it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I I unravelled as a result of realizing that because I was like, wait. So the thing I've been chasing is a myth. This idea that suddenly, click your finger and life is fixed and makes sense. That was always a myth. But my dad was hiding that. 
I'm currently, as a father of younger children, still trying to figure out what version of to give my kids. Do I show them that they're that like there are going to be like hills and valleys, and that's what life is really? Or because I'm a dad and I've got to be a rock in their lives, do I make it seem like everything is fine? And the last thing I want them to see is the reality, you know, of who I am. It's this covered this, and again, I think I said this is a stupid piece of shit. I was like sat back, blown back in my chair. It's something that I'd never heard verbalized by any character on a TV show in a way that just felt incredibly, incredibly relatable. Well, as a father of none, but a son of one, <laughs> yeah. I, I can tell you one thing I think you could take away from this. You can definitely be the guarantee, given the age of your kids, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't have a cigarette with them on a bridge. No, <laughs> I... That bit, I feel like we can definitely say you've got that nailed down, my friend. I can help you a little bit. I'm doing my part. I'm trying my best yeah, to help you. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. <laughs> Problem solved, old boy. Um, we also get, I mean, I've just written down there, the incredible shot of Bojack silhouette in the pool as they look down from the bridge. Now, this isn't what you would describe as the view from halfway down, because obviously... Bojack and Secretariat are both firmly still on this bridge, but it certainly feels like the view from halfway. Are you still going to be alive at the end of this episode, my friend? <laughs> what it feels like, and if it isn't the view from halfway down for him, it is certainly is for us because we don't know. We don't know what's happening. We've got no idea what's happening. We still don't know what's happening. We see Bojack Horseman, an image that we've been terrified of seeing, finally brought. I was going to say the image has been brought to life, but I mean. <laughs> It's the very opposite, isn't it? It is the very opposite. Um, And then brilliantly, as you mentioned, we go straight into Zach Braff, who, for all he is in this episode as comic relief, comes out with this, Michael. I mean, what? Loss is a collaborative art between the people who leave us and those who remain. We (laughs) dance with the shadows of their absence. Like, it just just drops that in there. Like... Like, it didn't take them all week to write. Like, god damn it. That's amazing. Like, uh, specifically, of course, we dance with the shadows of their absence after we've just seen the silhouette of Bojack face down in a pool. Just brilliant stuff. But don't worry, because he's right back to providing comic relief. And, you know, we mentioned last week, I think it was, potentially getting the last ever Princess Carolyn tongue twister. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listen, most of the times when I give these tongue twisters a go, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm like, I'm going to nail it. <laughs> I am almost 1,000% sure I'm going to fuck this up. Come <laughs> <laughs> Because it's ridiculous. But let's give it a go. As Zach Braff is being slowly and painfully, I'm reminded of the um, the steamroller gag in Austin Powers where it's super slow and you feel like surely he could stop himself if he really wanted to. But he's like wheels of his rollerblades are slowly <laughs> reeling towards this door and he can't stop. Ah, he says the following. Uh, good luck, everyone. <laughs> he says, please, I'm not ready. I never got to direct my backdraft remake, Zach Braff's backdraft. I never finished my memoir. I started a Zach which started the whole world braffing. <laughs> I never got a license. The Zach Braff short stack breakfast attack at Shake Shack. Cash strap hash brown fans who hashtag Zach's snacks get cash back fast with the Braff Books app. Oh my God. Oh, oh. Done. oh. 
I didn't think you could do that all on your own, but I know you are a Superman. You know what it is, Michael? I'm no Superman, but I tried my hardest to get it right. And I can't do it all on my own either. I needed your help and support there. So, (laughs) But amongst all of this madness, I should point out an interesting little change has happened. For most of this, you've seen everybody's been central, haven't they, who've been doing the performances. Zach Braff is all of a sudden slightly off to the left as he's talking on the uh, podium. And there's a couple of flowers that have appeared around the bottom of the podium. Well, Michael, it's because the positioning has changed to reflect certainly a similar one, but I couldn't tell you for for sure what it looks like because neither you nor me nor Bojack Horseman was actually in the right room for this one. But it is very similar to Beatrice's funeral uh, the episode Free Churro, where you see Bojack off to the left in a suit yeah. with the podium and the flowers around the podium, of course. But that was for the funeral of the lizard people. Uh, <laughs> Not for Beatrice. So, and interestingly, I did have a look at this, and the flowers are similar, but not the same, which suggests okay. to me positioning might have been the same in the other funeral parlor, but different flowers because we weren't actually yeah. in the right room. Um, You're good at this, man. You should do uh, like, podcasts, you're good at this. It's impossible, man. <laughs> I, I tell you what, we, there was a reason why I said before that we've, we, and it's true, we do limit ourselves to just the little window that we have to do it in. We'd love to spend more time on it, but our, our lives don't, don't work out that way for it, unfortunately. But my good grief, this episode, I guarantee you, <laughs> I look forward to all your tweets at Podcast Horseman for all of the stuff you've been excited about we've missed because there is literally just too much uh, for one person to do and even two there you go but now speaking of too much for just one person to do i feel like i would be doing it a disservice if i didn't sit and and read out secretariat's poem one more time because Mm. it's that bloody good Uh, ladies and gentlemen for the second time and i'm sure probably not the last let's be honest uh the view from halfway down by secretariat (laughs) (laughs) <clears throat> and the incredible writer's room of Bojack Horseman. The weak breeze whispers nothing. The water screams sublime. His feet shift, teeter-totter, deep breath, stand back. It's time. Toes untouched the overpass. Soon he's water-bound. Eyes locked shut, but peek to see the view from halfway down. A little wind, a summer sun, a river rich and regal. A flood of fond endorphins brings a calm that knows no equal. You're flying now. You see things much more clear than from the ground. It's all okay. It would be, were you not now halfway down? Thrash to break from gravity. What now could slow the drop? All I'd give for toes to touch the safety back at top. But this is it. The deed is done. Silence drowns the sound. Before I leaped, I should have seen the view from halfway down. I really should have thought about the view from halfway down. I wish I could have known about the view from halfway down. God damn it, that's good stuff, man. Oh, Some of the yeah. oh. I would, I would, you know what it is, Michael? Give that to one of your kids and slide into some like classroom one time and pretend it's theirs. Have <laughs> <laughs> them like perform that and shock a teacher in the having to teach Bojack Horseman because that is some goddamn good writing. They should be teaching this mm-hmm. in universities, as I'm sure they probably are somewhere. Anyway, maybe not Wesleyan, but somewhere. <laughs> um, 
I've just written down here as well, the door that is moving closer and closer to Secretariat from behind as he's reading that poem. And each of the little breaks that you get in between the poem, the poem of the panic that he's in as he's realising, just really, really well done to kind of really hammer home just how horrible this moment is he's having. And as I mentioned before, the door getting closer feels like the ground getting closer as his view is starting to get more and more terrifying. Um, Beatrice, of course, does her ribbon dance, and there's little moments in this where you sort of see the silhouette of her dancing uh, across Bojack's face, very similar to the moment uh, in in previous seasons, you'll recall, where Butterscotch uh, is stopped in his tracks as Beatrice is entertaining. She does a little dance, doesn't she, in the in the hallway, and and you don't ever get to see full animation where it's her dancing. And it felt very similar to that. Of course, it should, I don't think it was specifically a ribbon dance. I could be wrong about that. But it felt exactly like that uh, for just a brief moment before, obviously, she ended up jumping up to the sky. Uh, but, but more on that in just a second. Well, interestingly, Michael, Crackerjack is playing the trumpet, as you'll see in the background. And the song he's playing on the trumpet is I Will Always Think of You, which is, of course, the uh, song that he and his mother played on the piano at the old Sugarman place together, obviously before it all went wrong. And she got a drill through her head and he got shot in the head. What a lovely <laughs> show. I can always think of you as the bullet goes through my nice. head. Good stuff. <laughs> but then, of course, Beatrice mentions, and I just thought this was really nice the way they do this. You you sort of um, articulated it really well in your, in your read-through, where Beatrice says, now for the hard part, as she does the really complicated dance move, where she mummifies herself with the ribbon, and then she says, and now the easy part. And I couldn't help but think that the hard part is when she's doing the performance element, and the easy part is dying, is what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, yeah, the, the performance of life, the day-to-day of life is the hard part. Yeah. Death is a, a lot easier because you're just dead at the end of the day. I just thought it was really, <laughs> really nicely intimated in that in that moment. Um and then we go from there again, of course, to uh, the balcony slash the bridge where we see Bojack looking over. Um, and I've just written there, obviously him looking down is quite literally the painting that we've seen for so many seasons. It's just a lot further down. It's it's just the living embodiment or certainly the dreamlike embodiment of that Hockney painting that we see in Bojack's house. Um, and finally, we get Bojack on the phone with Diane. And this one, Michael, is both wonderful and awful at the same time, all rolled into one. Because Bojack's on the phone to Diane, of course, and when he finally realises that you know she didn't pick up and it was the voicemail, we still get this lovely play out because it's the dream where he, she just stays on the phone and they just have a little bit of an idle conversation. And he says, how was your day? And she says, good. And he says, yeah. And she says, yeah, my day was good. And I remember thinking, why do I know that? So, of course, like all good people who have to do research about this, I went and digged a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And you will remember, Michael, in the episode Escape from LA when Bojack returns home to find Diane. It's episode 11, I should point out, which feels pointed, mm-hmm. season two, uh, when she's living in his house and she's depressed and she's in her dressing gown and her hair's all tied up and she's on the balcony. And they have a conversation on the balcony and she kind of talks about how uh, she, Bojack can't understand why she still hasn't gone home essentially and mm. she mentions 
this the ideal scenario of going back. She wishes about how she kind of wishes she could go back to Mr. Peanut Butter, and she wishes they didn't have to talk about it. And she says, and I wish he would ask me how my day was, and I would say my day was good. And it is literally exactly the scenario we see playing out here. Very good on the phone call. Fantastic, uh, fantastic. It's just, it's, it's just that's just that's just the best, aren't they? This mm. show is better than the show you like. That is it. Full. <laughs> I've written there as a tiny note. The heart monitor right at the end. Well, it might as well have been a goddamn heart monitor that was playing from my house <laughs> because, whew, good grief, what a powerhouse of an episode! What an absolute Gosh. powerhouse of an episode but Michael there is still time I'm told for one last thing if we haven't all had a heart attack at this point ourselves <laughs> one last thing and then I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever would you let it go first second I'll go first if that's alright because yes it's, it's always alright it's a bit of a fluffy one this and I guess that's okay on an episode after this um, and it's about Zach Braff because you know, we've covered in detail virtually the everything about every other character. And it was just something, this was just a read of mine, so take it as speculative rather than a spot, and people might disagree with this, or spot something else. But it's a great gag, obviously. I'm wonderfully retold by you, Zach Braff, being pulled into the door and pitching, trying to get all these last things out that he wanted to do. Now, it's played for laughs and it's played for tongue twisters because that's what Bojack Horseman does. But it's also very real. Zach Braff is genuinely begging for one last opportunity at life because he has all these, in his mind, fantastic ideas that are centred around the name Zach Braff. And I just thought he was still hungry. He was still, that, that was what sprung to mind, he was still hungry. And then it occurred to me that Zach Braff, because of course he is serving the food, is the only character that does not get fed. He does not eat. He is not given that last supper, as you eloquently referred to it as in this show because he was burned alive by Jessica Biel. <laughs> but in keeping with entertainment being at the core of all of these people's lives, crackerjack notwithstanding, that is not what he wants. It's what they all want more than food. It is what nourishes them. It is what kind of keeps them going, is the idea that there was always that one last project, that one last show, that one last dance, whatever it may be. That's more than food. If he could just get fed, one of these last ideas, even if it was backdraft with Zach Braff, then that would be enough. And I just thought of all of them, some of them, again, go hesitantly into the dark, but they go into the dark. They're not looking for that one last idea, that one last dance. If anything, they know that this is it. They're doing that one last show. Mm. Not Zach Braff. He wants to be fed. And he's the only one that doesn't get that at the dinner beforehand. And I just thought those two things coming together was, was quite a nice detail that, again, just could be speculative on my part, but I, I just thought that was quite neat, if nothing else. No, I quite like that a lot. I think it was very notable. They used Zach Braff brilliantly here. As, there's many things that probably go through uh, a person's mind as they are shuffling off this mortal coil, um, mm. whether it's their time or whether it's not. And he is very much the epitome of the person who perhaps felt like it wasn't his time uh, yeah. to go. Like you, you could obviously make a lot of arguments for others, but... Corduroy, Jackson Jackson, flirted with danger in the lifestyle that he led. Sarah Lynn, while she was very young and it was tragic, also flirted with danger. Zach Braff was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Braff was murdered by fire by Jessica Biel, for which he will never, ever, like literally never, ever see her get any punishment for. No. The, one, the one instance, perhaps, where a woman won in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who bloody knows? 
But you could say, Michael, he just had one last thing on his mind. And then he swears to God he'll go through that door forever. Good. And never come out. Good. My one last thing, however, is not me trying to find a cheap one last thing pun on Zach Braff. It is a little bit more interesting than that one, I'd like to think. Um, now, we mentioned in the lounge of uh, this particular made-up house, uh, there's loads of paintings on the wall and pictures and all sorts. There is... Uh, like a lot of them, but there is one that is missing that we don't see until Bojack is running away from the sort of monster of the tar that's chasing him through the house. He bursts into that lounge room, and you will notice very po- uh, pointedly the doorway into the kitchen is now missing. That isn't there anymore. Re- initially, when Bojack first goes in before it reveals itself, it's been replaced by the picture that you see in the in the Horseman family home, his childhood home. Uh, it's of the a very young-looking horse that is done up in a clown's outfit that has taken the mask off of the clown. It's like the sad clown uh, mm-hmm. idea. Uh, it's a it's 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 been in previous seasons. You've seen it, um, but it's it it's much bigger than normal, and it's it's over where the doorway should be into the kitchen. Um, it appears uh, right in the middle of all this, and then obviously. Uh, and I should point out the one thing I want to call back to, uh, that picture I mentioned that had a bunch of holes drilled in it. Uh, yeah. Well, back in the earlier seasons, well, that picture didn't have them initially, but now has the holes in them when he comes running back through. And all the horrible stuff is like this tar pouring out of all the pictures uh, as mm-hmm. he's going through this nightmarish moment. But back to the other picture of the sad clown. The way they do this, the picture, as Borja is trying to scramble to find his way into, into another room, the picture moves and resizes and reshapes before it becomes the doorway that leads into the kitchen, right? Into the kitchen that is done up like the kitchen from horsing around. Yeah. I just felt like there's it Bojack's whole life, his mom has basically said, the only thing you're worth a damn at is, you know, perf- keep dancing till the curtain call. Perform, mm-hmm. perform, perform. Uh, do the lollipop song, whatever, whatever it is. She's never given him any other, it's just it's good for nothing the only time he's ever felt like he believed I just thought of something in the fact that they have this picture of the sad performing clown horse yeah. warps into the doorway that then leads yeah. to horsing around that's where mm. he ends up the performer finds his home in horsing around and he goes through that doorway and it's the sad horse goes to be a sad horse on telly instead it's like it, it just and a, it, and a complete clown in the process. That's absolutely. exactly what he is doing. He is clowning yeah, through his pain on horsing around. Picture really sums up his entire career on horsing around, yeah. and that is the doorway that it becomes and leads into before he obviously finds the bird um, <clears throat> who's waiting for him. But yeah, I just thought once again, yeah, there's so that. much in this episode. There's so much in this episode, and I invite you all to go through it with a fine tooth comb mm. time and time again. Mm-hmm. Not just because it's a great episode of television to watch, but there's just so much more on multiple rewatches. However, I think we might have made it out the other side. Herb mm. Kazar said there was no other side, and you and I, it seems, have made it out <laughs> the other side. So take that, Herb. Yeah, have a bit of that. That's what you deserve. More pain, apparently. <laughs> uh, I guess at this point, now that we can all relax and take a breather, uh, we can plug the podcast um, <laughs> if we if we see fit. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if you've not enjoyed this podcast, if you've kind of been a bit like, eh, it's a podcast. Uh, then let us know at Podcast Horseman. Give us a follow on on all the socials, all the good socials at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts if you'd like to. Uh, you can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamlet 
at Michael Hamflit. Um, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where it would be great if you could subscribe or follow, depending on which version you've got. On Spotify, where you could follow us. Thank you again if we featured in your unwrapped list for 2021 and you've let us know. We really appreciate that. Send us three. They're great for the ego. They're really nice to see. And we're really grateful that you've given us a little bit of time in your day. Um, on pretty much every podcast platform, including Amazon Prime or through Audible or just through that evil corporation one way or another. They'll find us if you search for us. We're there. And, of course, on Acast, where the link will be posted every Friday on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Uh, you can stream it through Acast, you can subscribe, and I believe on Acast and several others, you can leave five-star reviews. Just a reminder, if you leave us a quick review with something nasty, something nice, and a bit of text in the box, and those all-important five stars, you fool algorithms, you fool podcast charts, and you fool more people into talking themselves horse about a talking horse by listening to this podcast. And by doing so, you stand a chance of getting inducted into our Hollywood Talk of Fame entries for that talk of fame are closing very soon more on that next week as this podcast hurtles towards its conclusion but we've got a new inductee this week and it is ethan b 2309 thank you ethan b for this review says all the little details there's the sweet five stars and the review says as follows as a fan of recap podcasts i had to jump on this one as bojack horseman is my favorite netflix show part of the reason for this was due to all the little creative easter eggs that are within each episode as such i love our half the podcast is dedicated to the recap and the remainder goes to the hidden details i've spotted some i've never seen before and i'm continuing to enjoy it it'll be a shame when the podcast ends ethan i couldn't agree more thank you very much for that review a five star excuse me a five star a star on the hollywood talk of fame is winging its way to you very soon Yes, it will be. And as, as always, we'll be doing that right when we get to the very end, which is creeping closer and closer mm-hmm. as we speak. And you know what it is? This has been an emotionally charged episode of the podcast. I will say that. It's been a labour of love. We always like to peel the curtain back a little bit with this. We are currently recording this once again. We started recording this on Wednesday. It is now technically Thursday. Uh, <laughs> we have passed across... Oh, hey, Thursday, what a concept, eh? Just doing a podcast recording <laughs> once again. My goodness me, we've made it, Michael. We're at the end. We've done it just as fingers crossed. We'll find mm, out when, so, I have to, so. when I have to edit this one later on this week. But yes, uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you're okay. We hope you went on and watched goddamn episode 12 straight after uh, because we realised these. this is essentially the final season's episode 11. It just happens to be coming in episode 15 instead of it uh, one last thing before I give you the synopsis for the final time Michael Hamlet oh my gosh for Bojack Horseman before I do that though I will just remind you all that of course Follow Friday is still in play on Fridays when the podcast drops if you like share retweet comment any form of interaction whether it's on uh, Twitter or Instagram we will follow you back because we realise uh, we've loved building this community or being part of and helping to grow this community of people who want to talk themselves horse about a talking horse. We're running out of opportunities to do just that. So by all means, give us a follow. We will follow you back. Do whatever. We will follow you back. and Let us know your thoughts. We're, we're desperate as ever to hear from people about the show. We might not be able to reply to them all, but we certainly do read them all. It's worth saying on that note as well, as with every series of Bojack Horseman and Podcast Horseman, we've done a end of season recap. And just to be crystal clear, and we will go into more detail on this next week, so please don't skip the business end of the podcast. If you ever do next week at the very beginning, we're going to go tell you a few details about how 
Podcast Horseman is going to come to an end, as indeed Bojack Horseman is about to. But we will, I can say this, I think, be doing our Season 6 recap and then maybe a little bit of something after the fact. Mm-hmm. So Bojack Horseman comes to an end next week, but there is just a tiny bit more Podcast Horseman. More on that next week. Yes, indeed. The recap will be there as always. That is always the plan. We were never going to let you down with that. But we are both feeling it. We are both feeling like, oh, we've come to the end and we want to make sure we end on exactly the correct note. And we are aiming to do just that. So Mm -hmm. we will keep you posted on all things. Next week's episode, make sure you're listening out for that. We've got more on what we're going to be doing and how the breakdown is going to go for those remaining episodes. But... I will say this now for the last time, Michael Hamlet. For the very last time. Oh, I don't want to. I, I, no. I, I, you can't make me do it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't say it, it can't happen. Ah, right. One last time. And I swear to God, we'll go to bed. <laughs> uh, for the final time, we go to Netflix for uh, the synopsis for next week's and the final episode of Bojack Horseman, season six, episode 16. Nice while it lasted. And the synopsis is as follows. A celebration brings people together. And that's it. That's it, Michael. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, it's not Ibsen. But, <laughs> it's not Ibsen, know, yeah. hey? but, then, but then again, what is? You know what I mean? Hey? <laughs> what is Ibsen? Anyway, if for one last time, Certainly on an episode-by-episode review, you want to find out what happens. You'll have to come back next week for the final ever episode of BoJack Horseman being reviewed by one of the final episodes of Podcast (laughs) Horseman. But I hope you can survive. I hope you're doing okay. Go and watch episode 12 now if you haven't already. Make sure you wrap this one off in style. And we hope you're all doing okay. We're nearly there. We're nearly at the end of the journey. But until that time, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number 1 best-selling Andaria algae body oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.